Hi, Let's Talk Parks. It is Marissa Moravic, and I am back again today to talk a little bit about an area that I am not familiar with. I spent a little bit of time um, in maintenance and parks when I did my internship back in 2009, but it has obviously been a very long time since I've been um, exposed to that area and spent some time in it. So this episode was really fun because I feel like I learned so much about the park and maintenance departments um, and part of our field. So it was a lot of fun sitting down with Jeff Reinhardt. He is um, recently retired from the Gurney Park District. He graduated in 1978 from Illinois State University with a business degree. He worked at the Arlington Heights Park District in their parks department from 1978 to 1990. Um, He's worked in various maintenance roles, including grounds and building maintenance. Um, He was um, later promoted to maintenance supervisor overseeing aspects of ground maintenance as well as building trades. From 1990 to 2020, he was superintendent of parks um, and then director of parks and planning and safety coordinator at the Gurney Park District. So he has so much um, knowledge and information about this part of parks and recreation. And what I liked the most was that he gave a little bit of information about how to maybe make that transition. If you are a rec person um, and maybe you have some interest in the parks end of things, um, you know, how do you make that leap? So really good episode. I hope you all take a listen. Hey, Let's Talk Parks. It is Marissa Moravic, and I am joined today by Jeff Reinhardt, who is recently retired from the Gurney Park District. The reason I invited him on the show today is because in January, the maintenance department here at the Mundelein Park District was scheduled to strip and wax the floor in one of my program rooms. When the team went to do so, tiles started coming up from the floor. This was because the floor hadn't been treated for years, and so there was no longer wax sealing the space between the tiles. Water got underneath um, the tiles when the staff would mop the floors. So what we should have been doing is spending $250 a year stripping and waxing our floors to prevent a five dollars to $10,000 project that we now have to undertake. So this sparked an idea within me. And so I reached out to my good friend Cassidy at the Vernon Hills Park District, and her dad is recently retired from Gurney. So who better to speak about maintenance and all of the great things in the park and maintenance department than someone who recently retired. So um, thank you for joining us, Jeff. How about you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into parks and recreation? All righty. Uh, Marissa, thank you for having me. Um, Yes, I'm, I'm currently retired two whole months now, um, getting used to it. Uh, but I had started in the park field as a 16 year old, uh, like probably a lot of, a lot of people do. I mean, there's public, I was, I lived in Arlington Heights. Uh, the local park district had some maintenance jobs open. I got into it at that point. It was easy to go back every summer uh, through college and uh, through those years, every year you'd be assigned different supervisors, and so I got a little bit of a little bit of the skills, um, and I really enjoyed it at that point. I was, I mean, I I I was a part-time custodian when the custodians were were on vacation. I uh, I did work with uh, the playground crews. Uh, they were again. This is 1973 and four. They, and in those days, they started rebuilding their playgrounds. They got a 
grant, which I learned a lot about later on, but I had no idea that oh, the grant was important. They had to spend the money on certain playground equipment and uh, they had these piles of playgrounds. And I got the opportunity uh, to work with the full-time employees, helping them during the summers build playgrounds. And, and that became my, that became fun. I mean, I, I totally enjoyed going to work every day and we worked really hard putting them in, digging holes by hand and um, making sure things. So I learned, I learned from these older, would have been probably carpenters or mechanics at the time uh, that worked for the park district. Finished college, um, degree in business now in 1978-ish. Uh, didn't really know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know uh, what to do with the degree. Uh, so I took my summer job again. And as I kept working it, it just the job, full-time job that opened up. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll be happy to um, keep working here, doing the things I was doing. Um, so I never left. I mean, I, I, it wasn't, it didn't make sense for me to leave. I was happy doing it. I had to explain to my father why I decided to stay in the park field. He was also in the public field at the time. Um, and I learned, I kept learning things from different groups of people. I mean, again, playgrounds, I was transferred to work on sports fields, baseball diamonds, soccer fields, turf, uh, even in, even in Arlington Heights, occasionally they were getting more land and you'd end up building a, a new park. Um, I was the one who graded the park, seeded the park, um, broke ground on the playgrounds in my early twenties. Um, as time went on, even in, it was in Arlington Heights, so as time went on, uh, the supervisor job for one side of town. So it's a large park district for the people that are listening. I'm sure some people aren't saying obviously no, uh, but other people might not, but it's a pretty large park district in Illinois. And I uh, <clears throat> became a maintenance supervisor over a crew of about 15 full-time employees and seasonal employees. I was hiring at the time. And I did that for five years. I was in charge of playgrounds, I was in charge of uh, the construction of playgrounds, uh, inspections. Now this is now we're in the 80s and everyone at playgrounds, um, again, learn on, later on, uh, things change with playgrounds, but not quite yet. I mean, there's still playgrounds, they're still built good, um, but you know, we're, we were doing inspections, but now there's, there's different ways of doing it. Um, and then again, I, I, now I have experience supervising people um, and I got this crazy idea that uh, Marlington Heights was kind of built out and uh, I wanted to find a park district that um, I could use my skills again, you know, meaning I was a supervisor, I wasn't working, I was supervising people. So uh, Gurney at the time, now mid eight, mid eighties, 1990 it was, um, they were a smaller community. Some of you might know Gurney because it has great America. Um, at one time, that's all it had in a few houses of people in here that old timers would say, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> uh, but the population was smaller. Uh, the park district, though, uh, was going through a boom. And so was the village. It went from 13,000 uh, residents uh, when, when we moved here, because I live in Gurney now. And it uh, increased to about a population. We're about 32, 34,000 right now. Um, there was a huge development process going on on the west part of the town of which we were getting empty park sites so park district that i when i came um had uh, 
four four maintenance employees, eight older parks. Um, and today, as I walk away from it, uh, there's 20 full-time employees. Uh, there's a higher custodians and summer seasonal and all that stuff. So there, there another 30 part-time maintenance employees um, and uh, 28 park sites. So I got my wish. I was able to have my fingers in a lot of the parks in the town that I lived. Um, as I said, playgrounds changed. Playgrounds, the design changed, surfacings changed, equipment changed, uh, different safety standards changed. Uh, so now I'm done, now I'm retired. So I've been retired for two years <laughs> and someone's asking me about it. So here I am to, to answer some questions. I love it. Um, and for some of our listeners, you might know that my career also started at the Arlington Heights Park District. Um, I mean, really, it began at Wheeling Lifeguarding, but then I did my internship and I spent my first couple of years of my career at Arlington Heights. My in-laws live in historical downtown Arlington Heights um, across the street from one of the parks that maybe Jeff built. Probably not because it looks a little bit newer. Hopefully it's been rebuilt by now. Yeah, I want to see it's Festival Park. Um, oh, yeah. So, I got yeah. pictures of, yeah, I built the first one. And I did. I, I built that part, a little park. Yeah. Um, and it was a wood, a wood Natureville piece. Let's don't talk brands. They don't yeah. sell it anymore. So, yeah, um, yeah I built the first one. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I hope it's been replaced because we have replaced a few in Gurney that were the same style. Yeah, I'll have to ask my husband because they've lived there his entire life. So I'm sure he remembers the park that you built. So, um, so very cool. Um, like I said, I started, you know, my passion really grew at Arlington Heights. I think it's a great community and a great park district to blossom from. So um, you have a very, very fun background. Um, and obviously, this is why we have asked you to talk today. So what are some issues that can that can come up due to lack of maintenance in our facilities, parks, and equipment? Well, there's there's obvious. I mean, the obvious ones. I could start at that. We were just talking playgrounds, so let's talk playgrounds. I mean, obviously, if there's a broken part, somebody can get hurt. I mean, um, if the surfacing isn't isn't deep enough, uh, so there's different standards on the different types of surfaces. So a wood mulch material needs 12 inches. It's got to have a certain cushion value. Uh, nowadays, you can buy a, a tool, which is a round ball, and you can drop it from a certain height. And if it, it'll bounce and it'll give you a number and the number will tell you how soft that surface is. Uh, these were not available at one point, and I'd say three, four years ago, we bought one and it, and it actually Bluetooth hooks up to your phone and all this other stuff. Uh, the other surfacings are uh, port and plays rubber and there's uh, newer in the last 10 years, at least a playground turf, which we started using extensively in uh, Gurney, which adds not only a, a, a play value, it, it adds a play value to the actual playground. So, I mean, what we've noticed when people go to these playgrounds is they lay out on the grass turf. You know, there isn't any uh, wood chips sticking in their back. Um, so again, you still, you periodically have to inspect your playground. So, I mean, bi-weekly is usually what you want to do, at least in the summer months. Um, in some cases, if you have a preschool, we had preschool, daycare, uh, day camp, uh, after-school care, preschool, school care and we had 
playgrounds next to our preschools that needed someone to look at them every day. You know, we didn't have the staff to look at them every day. I mean, that's where it came in that the uh, rec, rec people needed to kind of know what to look for and to see if something was wrong, we would be there in a heartbeat. Um, it's, you know, it's all about the kids. Uh, so playgrounds are an obvious, if, if something breaks, someone's good. Sports fields would be another one. I mean, let's face it, uh, baseball diamonds, daily maintenance, soccer fields, weekly maintenance. We had sand volleyball courts, um, tennis courts, pickleball courts. Um, they need a periodic inspection based on who's playing on it. I mean, so uh, a soccer field... <clears throat> You know, at least if we line them once a week, which we did, we painted the lines at least once a week. We mowed them at least once a week. Although, in my mind, I would have liked to mow them more often for the betterment of the turf. So, I mean, if you're really into turf, which is another one, another thing, is mowing a third off the grass as often. You know, so if you mow two, three times a week, be better. Um, <clears throat> So sports fields is, an, is another thing that should be inspected by someone. And there should be some sort of paper trail. Uh, the paper trail is, hey, I, I, I didn't see the, I mean, we inspected it. That hole wasn't there. Like, well, you did inspect it. Yes. And I really thought the whole, so it's important that um, the paper trails there. So the, the fact that the hole needed to be filled wasn't overlooked on purpose. That's where you're running into trouble. You don't want to see anybody get hurt, but so you want to find it. Sometimes it gets pointed out to you. If you jump on it right away, <clears throat> something that's bad, jump on right away. I mean, we had parks because I, I said that we had parks that were um, 20 some odd parks that were donated to us through our uh, the homeowners uh, associations or the, the builders that built the homes. Uh, a lot of times what the builders would do is they would um, bury um, construction debris on these sites before you got them. I mean, so we literally would occasionally have like concrete blocks and things coming up through the ground because uh, it does does move if it's not deep enough, you know, and that's something we would find. Uh, we had a, they built, buried a cul-de-sac that the village made them tear out in this one park, actually in my own neighborhood. And when my guys were uh, building the playground would be the second time um, they were hitting all these concrete blocks. They were, it was supposed to be way down, but they didn't bury it. So, I mean, th those things do happen. It's, it, it's been well known. I mean, ground is compacted when that happens. And um, building, same thing. So we talk about a, a floor that didn't get properly maintained. Um, so all I can say there, I mean, other than, yeah, building inspections are important too. I mean, we, you know, they, we, we had, I mean, we had some great, I had some great guys um, facility-wise. So um, they would periodically, monthly, hopefully, uh, go through the facilities to look for, you know, outlets that might have been damaged or lights that were out or um, toilets that didn't flush. I mean, if a toilet doesn't flush, hopefully we're getting a call on that. Um, and uh, I also had again the, the floor that didn't get waxed i mean then you have to have some sort of plan you know the plan would then be a preventive maintenance plan or some plan that says x needs to be done 
uh, monthly. That needs to be done every three months. Um, I, I through the years I created a pretty large document of things that uh, that did require certain preventive maintenance. Um, I called it my park maintenance management plan. It in in this plan, I mean, you know, so it would talk about uh, custodial custodial duties, you know, daily duties. You know, hopefully they see the fact that that floor is failing. Hopefully, you have a guy on staff that knows why it's failing. Uh, wood floors, we would con. Then you you have to have a group of people that contractors that you can trust to get prices from, and you know, like a gym floor needs to be refinished yearly. Uh, dance floors yearly. Um, so the wood, the wood floors, um, you don't want those. Those are pretty big ticket items. I mean, you're talking a lot more than the 10 grand for that probably ceramic tile floor you're talking about. Um, <clears throat> you can go on. I mean, I don't know what to say natural areas. I mean, we had natural areas. We have, a, we had a hundred acres of woodlands that were, um, had pathways, some were wood chip pathways, some were uh, asphalt pathways, uh, some were stone pathways, uh, trees, uh, woodlands are a little harder to take care of, natural settings where trees could fall in the woods um, need to be taken care of maybe, or maybe they need to be, maybe they need to be addressed and left for the animals. I mean, so we had plans on that. We have a pond, a large pond by our one community center and that pond grows algae. So now we have a contractor that comes in and he, you know, he makes sure that the algae doesn't grow. So, I mean, there's just, it's just countless, countless things that you can find in, a park, in the park district field that in parks that in my opinion should be beautiful. Um, to the residents that use it or or anybody i mean because anybody can come to our parks are completely open to the public public does not have to be just residents so um well and you bring up a good point about ponds because i didn't we, here in mundelein we have a lot of ponds and we have diamond lake we've got some pretty pretty bodies of water i've got a really you know, pretty body of water behind my um, building here, but I didn't realize you have to maintain ponds. I just figured they sat there, the ducks come and do their thing. There's some fish in some of them, but um, I didn't realize you have to maintain ponds and they're, I mean, I think, I think I heard um, our supervisor correctly this summer when he said it was about a thousand dollars a year per pond to maintain a pond. So yeah. I, mean, I think we all think about, like you said, pathways, cutting grass, um, making sure um, trees are healthy and good. And if they aren't, if they're diseased, we need to make sure that we take them out. Um, but I didn't realize ponds were, were such a well, problem. We had a... Uh... The, the pond, yeah, the pond for sure. Like the, the one pond I was talking about, I and mean, we have ponds. We also had about 150 acres of wetlands that require maintenance, and that, and that's kind of a federally mandated type maintenance that needed to be done. Um, but I mean, the pond was put in as a drainage facility for our community center, aquatic center. So when the engineer originally designed it, you know, we had a, we had a, uh, a farmland. Um, that was turned into a park, you know, so all this, all these houses that were being built, someone, they cut out an area that was farm said, here, here's where you're going to put your community park someday. 
this is when I started working there. I was like, okay, someday, someday came, but I mean, it was years later and the pond was there for drainage purposes. And, uh, but yet we didn't want just a detention basin because I've seen those in parks. I mean, matter of fact, I'd be honest with you. I know Arlington has a lot of them. Um, they were, um, it's like I guess they purposely put in by my boss, uh, and because I mean he wrote articles about it, how some of them were tennis courts, some of them were softball fields. Um, there was because Arlington fifty five parks, right? Probably more now, um, and they were usable detention basins. You know, hard to maintain, but they were definitely usable. Um, we wanted a lake. We didn't want a detention basin. We wanted water in it. We wanted. We planted it with. Um, natural plantings with beautiful flowers and we've since added trees and oak trees and benches and they have a fishing derby there once a year and we we had to stock it with fish at one point it's about a three three acre pond um and then it's one time overspilled 500 year flood you know so it it saved our buildings because it was there but we had that rain a few years ago it was a massive rain that um literally shut that park down the front of the park and that lake overspilled so uh, another situation in the natural area that we had a there's a four acre uh woodland site that had a trail through it um and when i started working there it was part of the park system so i was one of the six or seven or eight what i had um the neighborhood um when it was built it was built around in the 30s and 40s it was built in the 70s and 80s I mean, in the 30s and 40s i've looked at they were just oak trees and nice little thing of oak trees by a farm and then the houses were built and then we were told yeah you can't take down any of the underbrush because my neighbor you know we don't want to see inside of the into the natural area because you know my house is uh, i don't want people seeing my backyard and blah 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 well uh because of the ash borer that uh, created a problem in many communities around here. We had over 500 very large ash trees in this very, you know, this three acre site that died in the middle of these beautiful oak trees. And we had to come up with a solution. It took years for us to finally remove them all and create the night, the nice natural area that it, that it belongs. We've had, we had to plant some oak trees and so rejuvenating uh, a woodland forest is also a park, park district uh, thing to do. I mean, if you have them, we were lucky enough to have them. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you follow the podcast, but the past couple of weeks we've been talking about burnout. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you're here up in the Midwest with us. It's been very cold. It's been very snowy this winter. How do you, as a parks department um avoid burning out i mean you've been doing this for 40 some years how do you prevent burning out in a position that is extremely demanding both physically and mentally um and especially sticking with it for 40 some years <laughs> um interesting because i do remember as a younger a younger maintenance employee during the winter is getting quite bored um again we didn't have those woodlands in Arlington. Arlington had a lot of parks, but I don't remember any woodlands. They have Lake Arlington though now, but they that was built after I left. Um, we, we, we work outside. I mean, there's very seldom a day in the winter that our guys didn't do something outside. Um, 
I know this this winter for them has been nothing but snow, and so the snow is uh, you know parking lots. You know, there's a certain there again. You have to have a plan. What happens when it snows? Well, okay, three o'clock in the morning, they have to be out there to make sure that the parking lots are open for our fitness center, which which is a wonderful fitness center in your knee. And uh, people need to walk in at five o'clock. Um, pathways need to be cleared. Uh, some of them have uh, bus stops, which obviously now they're <laughs> not using them, but, um, but bus stop areas needed to be cleared away. So, you know, so they're doing a the snow there. We also had ice rinks. So, um, They, we had a full full hockey rink, um, some free skate rinks at three different sites. Um, something that we we work on based on the weather. Now there are some winters we get one day of skating, which is really kind of kind of hard to go through all that effort and then find out that uh, it's going to melt in two days. I'm looking at the sun right now in my in my house and looking outside saying if they have ice rinks, which I know they did, they had very successful ones this year because it was so cold, but now we're almost in March. If the, the sun is higher, it's going to start going away. Uh, but that is a job that in the winter keeps, yeah, do. I mean, you got to be willing to do a lot of outside work uh, if you're in, at least in the parks team. Um, and our guys never flinched at the work that they did. So that's how you do it from year by year, having something planned for the next year. And uh, I think in Gurney, we were always busy. And when the winters that were mild, we worked in the woods, oh, cool. taking trees down, taking buffthorn out, building trails. Um, and then there's the inside work, painting, yeah. painting gyms, hallways. Some of these guys that are outside workers end up being inside workers. Some of them learn how to take care of their own house because we were teaching them things that they didn't know when they started working for us. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that is, that is something you get as it's skill, various skills of, of things when you work for the park districts. I love it. So talking about younger professionals, um, and those who work in parks currently, but thinking about those who currently do not work in parks, maybe you are on the rec side. Um, if you wanted to make that change, what do you think are skills that would be needed? If I, Marissa Moravic, recreation supervisor of 12 years, wanted to get into parks or maintenance, what skills do you think I would need to make that change over to the parks and maintenance side? In some cases, obviously, it, it would work. I mean, if you have some sort of mechanical ability, meaning mechanical, you don't have to be mechanical, although we had a mechanic. Um, uh, other side of it is, I don't know what area you're even in. So let's, let, I'm going to do an example. So let, let's say you're in athletics. And I, as the rec athletic person, schedule all the, all the programs but I should get to know that guy in the parks team very well who does the fields. And maybe I should go out there once in a while and learn what he's doing, learn, ask him, go as far as asking if they could, he could learn how to operate the dragon equipment. And maybe you can help out by um, on a weekend, on a Saturday, the park guy doesn't have to come in. You, you know, you'd be able to drag the field or, 
or, or something. And then maybe that's something you like. And then all of a sudden you're find yourself applying for the next sports field parks position. I can do that. I mean, I know there's a couple of guys that were in our athletic in the rec. They don't work for us anymore, uh, but could have done some of the work that our guys did. Um, other thing is we talk safety. I mean, there is certifications you can get. Uh, playground certification, uh, CPRP, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. The certified, so certified playground safety inspector. Um, that's through the NRPA. PA, PA. Um, you can get that certification and then you could go out and help with playground uh, inspections. Um, there's sports field inspection programs you can do. Uh, we have, you do too, risk, our risk manager, which is Paderma. There's all sorts of trainings you can go to that they have throughout the year. I know a lot of it might be um, drugs and enforcement or harassment trainings, but they do have playground inspection trainings. They do have sports trainings. There are other organizations that get involved with. Uh, Midwest Institute of Park Executives is one that um, they do monthly meetings. Uh, they do trainings at each meeting, uh, being part of the IPRA park sections, going to those meetings. Um, obviously there are certain skills, trade skills. We have trade, whether four, trade, five, four or five, five or six tradesmen, whatever, at Arlington, Gurney, I'm sorry. It's a lot more in Arlington. Um, they need they need the skills i mean you need our our last the last guy i hired was a fourth generation carpenter wow. his dad his granddad and his great granddad i mean i'm like wow we really got along because i like carpentry too and we talked a lot about carpentry and different things that he did and uh, i found him he was actually working at great america and so there are sometimes you gotta draw people from the outside that have different skills could be turf uh could be it could be a guy we uh, we've, we've hired people with degrees that are we're willing to train i mean um you're i have some skills but i really want a park job we were willing to do that and we were willing to um give them jobs with other employees and that's how i learned i'm telling you i worked with I told you mechanics and and uh, carpenters and they allowed me to do things that I never knew I could do. I mean, I took wood shop in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, but I mean, they they added the extra add things to it, and I used that throughout my career. So being able to work with your hands, want to get dirty. If you don't want to get dirty, don't don't go applying for any park park position please <laughs> yeah well you were telling me kind of a funny story before we started recording about a individual I don't know if you hired him or you were just interviewing him but he was like I don't want to work weekends and I don't want to clean toilets and so that ended up not yeah. being a good fit which yeah, no. be in the field at all if this was a while ago he stayed in the field for a very long time I mean the guy wow. did stay in the field for a very long time and he had I'm sorry to say it he had a rec degree oh um and gosh. I and I thought yeah he did it's um and he had a reapplied recently um 
found himself not at the park district and he went to because they didn't work weekends everything was good there because they didn't work weekends we work weekends weekends and parks and recreation you can't not i mean sometimes it's seven days a week um my job was early on it was seven days a week 24 hours a day i mean you get a call in the middle of the night you gotta you gotta go in um someone has to be available for emergencies you know we eventually have enough employees where we can rotate the weekends on on things like that but i mean the heat goes out the air conditioner goes out on our facilities, which I mean, like I said, our fitness center is open seven days a week. Our community center in normal times is open seven days a week. And they needed someone to call. There's an elevator. I mean, an elevator needs to operate all the time. It can't be down. And if it breaks down, somebody's got to attend to it. I mean, it's just the law. I mean, (laughs) I mean, yeah, you could put an out of order sign on it, but like an example I can think of from Vernon Hills is while I was um, working at our fitness center is one morning, the front desk, the front desk staff pulled into the parking lot and a tree was down in our main parking lot. So yeah, you can't just stick a sign on that and say, all right, drive around the tree. No, the parks guys had to get there (laughs) ASAP to chop that tree up and get it out of the way because we had a couple hundred members that would be there in a very short amount of time to come work out so we uh there i I was at a my kids were in the same pro so we had the opportunity not only work in gurney we had the opportunity to live in gurney so i raised all my kids in gurney and uh, i think we were at a soccer game one time and a very large branch i mean i'm talking a foot diameter branch decided to fall and break onto a car while i was there (laughs) so i was like all right uh, guys we got this branch we got to take off so (laughs) oh yeah that's I love working and living in the same town but yes there's times that I'm at programs with my kids and you're like oh shoot I wish I didn't just see that because now I've got to do something about it even though it's it's a Tuesday night or it's the weekend or you know something like that all right you know mom's gonna go talk to the front desk right now while you guys play soccer that I had employees that, honest to God, you know, we're part of the fitness centers. Well, we have two, two, they're same one, but I mean, they're two locations who stopped working out there because so many people knew who they were. They would just come up and say, Hey, you know, this equipment's nice. Like, yeah, really, I'm not working right now. I'll be happy to tell, I'll be happy to tell the people that are involved. But finally, they say, Ah, I don't think it's, you know, for me. <laughs> so. I had the exact same problem when I was at Vernon Hills because um, I worked in the fitness center. And, you know, part of our jobs is to be um, a face of the community and sure. people Absolutely. recognize us and be approachable. But yeah, when you're trying to run and someone interrupts you and you lose your groove, yeah, I mean, it's not worth the free membership anymore. And you just start finding other ways to work out because there's no way, you know, that people aren't going to recognize you and not come up and say, Hey, I can't get this treadmill to work. Or can you help me change this attachment on this machine or something like that? So, um, not that I'm a big avid workout person anyway, (laughs) but the once in a while that I would, you know, jog on the treadmill, I get interrupted. So I just stopped. So that's my excuse. But (laughs) anyway, what do you think it means to raise the bar in the field of parks and recreation? 
Well, I think, you know, I come from a purpose that raised the bar already. Um, so I, I hate to be that way. So in 2010, we did get the gold medal. Um, and there was a reason for that. I mean, I, I it wasn't, it, it was because we had done so many things that were new. Um, anytime something new would come along, we would try it out. I had mentioned the playground turf. You know, we had one of the first playgrounds in Northern Illinois. I'm going to say that Northern Illinois that incorporated turf in our playgrounds. And I worked with the company for many years after that. Now, granted, they had turf in, in Arizona and Florida and it gets really hot. Um, but for us, it was new and um, it, it ended up, it ended up being used as an architectural design feature and maybe even we had a when we first we had second park we put it in i was working with one of the playground reps who i i worked with for well over 20 years i might have to call her and tell her i retired um she came up it was her playground equipment but she came up to the park where the swings are already put in and she looked at me and said how in the world can you put these swings over grass don't you need a surface? Meaning a playground surface. I said, you know, I said, Sue, there, that is artificial turf. Oh, <laughs> she was shocked. And I found that kind of complimentary that it looks so well that it looked like real grass. And, uh, and, that, and again, that's why it became another play feature. So, um, that's awesome. And you said Arlington Heights, you were also there when they got gold medal. I think I was there twice. I think it happened twice while I was there because I was, um, since I started when I was 16 and with the part, I think I was there for about 18 years between part-time and full-time. I do remember them getting it, uh, but I wasn't as involved in the park, being in the park department at that point. I remember us getting, uh, you know, the little pin you got and everything, but uh, Gurney is where, we, we really all worked really hard to get. Um, and again, I don't think we worked on it to be a gold medal park district. We just were a gold medal park district. I mean, uh, we did all the, you know, the right things with surveys and the public, uh, you know, responses to our pathways were a number one in the surveys and our facilities were, like I said, what's fresh? What does it mean? It means to add playgrounds and add facility we just we built a pickleball pickleball's up and coming right i mean it's been up and coming now it's more than up and coming it's past that people play pickleball like crazy and uh, we built an eight court system um because we were trying to convert some of our old tennis courts and people weren't playing there but they were playing inside so we, we kind of knew that and so we, we made one site with eight courts and it, it took off like gangbusters. And for a while, we wondered if we had to build another eight. There were so many people. I mean, people were coming up from Springfield to play. Wow. I, I mean, we were there one day and the guy was, yeah, I'm from, I, come, I came up here to play with my friend from, I'm from Springfield. Like, That's a five hour drive for our Yeah, well, they must have been, I hope they were, I hope they're at least visiting Greater America or something yeah. also, but I mean, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's cutting edge. I mean, at the, 
I, I know Buffalo Grove's got them. Um, I don't know how many you have, you know, you guys have in Monoline and um, I've seen him in Grace Lake. So um, be ready for the next, whatever the next thing is. I mean, as our, as our population ages, obviously you have to address the um, people like me that just retired that need something to do, um, which could be just walking the pathways. I mean, when we did our surveys, uh, that was the number one thing that people wanted. 70% of the people wanted was more circulation paths, connections from park to park, which in this town, I said, great America's in the middle. I mean, it, uh, the, the, the roads are big and getting from one side to the other is really hard. There is a path, there is a bicycle path uh, system through the village that has created years and years ago, miles and miles of bike paths. They're not all all connected yet, but I mean, I do know that they continuously try to keep them connected. Um, but yeah, have the and, and if if last year didn't show you how many people like to walk, it was unbelievable how many people were out in the parks when we said, "Oh, you're not allowed to we're playing a playground for a while." You know, we that <laughs> you know, that's, was as a mom of two small kids, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. So um, just your final thoughts um, for young professionals who either all are already in parks and maintenance or want to get into parks and maintenance, um, just your final thoughts on um, how to be successful in that area. Again, get out there. I mean, uh, you, you need to try to learn as much as you can about every aspect of of the field you're in, you know, whether it be in the rec field or the park field, but if you're in the park field, I mean, learn how to mow. That is one thing I swear to God that I didn't do. I didn't mow grass. Really? No. That's like my favorite thing to do when I did. I mow it all. I love to mow. I know how to mow. Yeah. I know the directions to take and I know how long the grass has to be. And I know how much fertilizer put down. I know how to aerate and I know how to irrigate. I know how to put irrigation in. I did all those classes, but there are other people that mowed even when I was in Arlington Heights because I was on playgrounds. And then here, of course, we hired, you know, the, my, my great employees that mowed, you know, uh, they did throw me on some of their machines. A zero turn machine is very hard to operate. Really? Very hard. Um, they laughed when I was on it. Learn how to mow, learn about sports fields, learn about playgrounds, go to certifications, uh, go to conferences. I mean, I, again, back there early on, why did I become a supervisor at 25 in Arlington Heights? Cause that's how old I was. And I shouldn't, uh, that's pretty young. I went, um, I went to uh, um, a conference that everyone was, it's Great Lakes. It's the Great Lakes conference that they have in Indiana uh, for park people. I paid my own way. I mean, I went because I wanted to learn more about the park field I was in. I was a hourly employee. And then because of that, it impressed my boss and my boss promoted me later on and then they paid for those trips so conferences if you, you know anything you can do uh like i mentioned paderma do those things um back i i did i graduated from college i took further education um 
horticulture classes, uh, equipment operation classes, uh, turf management classes, irrigation classes. I continue to educate myself as much as I could so I could perform my job better than the next guy. Um, I'm sorry, and I think I did. So uh, that's what you got to do if you want to move up in the field. You can't just stop. Just because you got out of college doesn't mean education is done. Yeah. Well, I don't know about our, our listeners, but I feel inspired, and I might go <laughs> and take a class now. Um, and I definitely am going to ask our parks department if they'll let me cut some grass this summer because... <laughs> That was, they, might, they might frown on that. <laughs> they probably will, um, because that was my favorite part of my internship at Arlington Heights. I spent a week cutting grass at Mellis um, and pulling the field and striping it and watering it down because it was a real dry summer. But um, thank you for the very inspirational message today um, well, and for you. your time. Um, and we will talk to you again soon. Well, thank you for having me. It was very nice.